welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Sunday. Welcome to our online experience. So glad that you're with us this morning. Cheers for all those amazing people out there drinking some coffee right now, maybe you're drinking tea, maybe you're drinking water, or maybe you're like the kind of guy or girl or gal that uh, likes to drink pop in the morning. Whatever it is that you do, do you this morning and enjoy whatever it is that you're drinking. And I'm going to take a little bit of a, a sip right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are in a series right now. And if you haven't watched last week, I would encourage you to go back and watch last week's message. We are in a series called Breaking Through You. Yes, like I said last week, often we think of breakthrough in terms of breaking through things that stand in front of us, like, you know, breaking through in our job or finding our dream job or, you know, uh, financial breakthrough or breakthrough in a specific area of our life when it concerns relationships or whatever the case may be. We have a way of measuring breakthrough that if I can see it, if I can physically see it, then it's considered breakthrough. But we're talking about how often before we see a breakthrough, we have to have an internal breakthrough where we break through internal things like mindsets and internal roadblocks and fears and things that hold us down on the inside that stop us from actually breaking through in the tangible. We have to break through often first in the intangible, and that's within our own heart, okay, in our own mind, of course. So that's what we're talking about in this series. So I know and I believe with all my heart that this series, if you lean into it, will really be one of those more potent uh, teaching series that we've done for your personal life. And so I'm really praying that from this, these next, however long this series goes on until, um, that this series would really be something that would be instrumental in you coming into the fall season stronger, coming into the fall season with more confidence, and then ultimately coming into the season of fall, being able to measure a whole new level of tangible breakthrough because you spent the time breaking through you. And so, as I said last week, I've been camping out in first and second Peter and uh, really meditating on those books, reading them over and over again, over and over again, stopping and kind of just focusing on specific key verses. Uh, last week, we talked about first Peter 1, 3, Four and five, First Peter one, chapter one, chapter three, chapter five, four, and chapter five, and we titled it "Exposing the Genuine," talking about trial triggers and how certain trials in our life will trigger 
really uh, areas in our life of response, of reactions, and and more. You can go listen to the message. But ultimately, how that all exposes genuine faith. Like it's a pr- it's it proves genuine faith, as we saw in First Peter chapter one verse seven. Today we're diving into First Peter chapter five verse six, but. It's going to be a little different because I'm going to actually hop around. I'm kind of going to I'm going to kind of build pathways from this verse, okay? I'm going to do a little bit of what's called topical preaching, okay? And I'm going to jump around a little bit from verse to verse today, but we're going to start off with and introduce today's message with 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6. Love this verse. You probably heard it before. It says this, Peter said, "So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God or the mighty power of God, some translations would say, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Let me read it again. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, keyword, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So today's message title, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to take notes today, uh, today's message title is Surrender When It's Hard. And my subtitle is Stick Stick It All Up. Stick It All Up. And that's kind of the picture of this message this morning. What it means to surrender when it's hard and to stick it all up in the sense of everything that we're holding on to. Everything that we're holding on to, we offer it to God in surrender. You know, you've heard the expression, stick them up. You know, you've seen movies right before someone gets arrested. And uh, once, yeah, that happened to me, but that's another version of my life before Jesus. Thank God for redemption. But um, it's another way of saying surrender or you will be surrendered. When the police say to you, stick them up, really, I know that's kind of slang for, you know, put your hands in the air where I can see them. Really, uh, it's it's either you do that or you might be surrendered. You know, we're, we're giving you an opportunity to surrender. Now, unlike, you know, yeah, I'm kind of relating this to our relationship with God. God is not like a police officer saying, stick him up so he can handcuff us, put us back in the back of his cop car and bring us to prison, okay? It, with God in relationship, he gives us opportunity because he knows that if we stick it up, we stick it all up, we surrender, we lift our hands in surrender, he knows that he will be able to bring us to the place he's always planned for us to be. What I mean by that is our our purpose, the things that he wants us to do, the things he wants us to be, or the people he wants us to be in life. He knows that if we just stick it all up, if we put our hands up and surrender, he will be able to work with us. He will be able to co-labor with us. He will be able to bring us from point A to point B because we can be trusted because he knows that we will lean on him and not on our own strength. So today, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, stick it all up, up to him, surrender it all, everything. And I want to define this word humility first, okay? So, you know, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, so humble yourselves. Let's, let's just find, define humility for a second. In a biblical sense, humility, one of the best definitions, biblical definitions of humility is obedience to God. Just plain and simple, obedience to God. Every time we are obedient to God, we lower ourselves. We don't exalt ourselves. We lower ourselves in humility. It's this, this posture of God, you like, take me. 
do what you want with me. Lead me. Romans 8, chapter uh, 14, chapter 8, verse 14, uh, says that those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Every time we are led by the Spirit, we are acting in humility. Every time we are acting in humility, we are allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit. In other words, we are obedient to what God wants for us. Now, for some people out there, you think obedience sounds like a super negative term. You're thinking like, obedient to this like crazy, you know, dictator God out there. That's not the kind of obedience we're talking about, okay? God gives us, God doesn't force his hand on us. God doesn't force us to be obedient. He gives us an opportunity to surrender, to lean in and listen. Every time we listen to God and act, we are stepping into obedience, which ultimately, biblically, is what we would call and define as humility. Now, remember this context of 1 Peter that we talked about uh, last week. If you haven't, once again, go back and listen to it. But the, the, whole, um, the whole book or the whole first letter of 1 Peter was really centered around this idea of dealing with trials that come from in many different expressions, okay? Trials and tests and challenges that come from many different angles. And so I think it's so important that near the end of this book, Peter brings us to this place that ultimately, if you want to be lifted out in honor of all the things that you're under right now, humble yourself under the mighty power of God. Because when you do this, he will lift you up in honor. But if you want to fight your own fight and you want to fight your own battle and you want to do it all yourself and you feel like you've got it, you don't need God, the outcomes of that probably won't be very good for you. And God doesn't desire that. Pride always comes before the fall. It was pride that took Lucifer out, which was which is Satan. In the beginning. And so humility is key. Humility is the love language of heaven. Every time we lower ourselves, we position ourselves to become all that God wants us to become. I love what Proverbs 15, 33 says. It says this, the source of revelation knowledge is found as you fall down and surrender before the Lord. Don't expect to see the Shekinah glory the bright and wild glory of God until the Lord sees your sincere humility. Humility is so key. And humility looks like surrender. And this is the open door to revelation knowledge. What do I mean by that? Understanding who God is, knowing God in a real intimate way, having deep friendship and relationship with God as your king, as your leader. Now, this theme has been running through my mind, I'd say probably the last three and a half weeks. Uh, and uh, it's this, and it's actually not, it's not really a theme, but it's it's a phrase, but let me just build sort of to what I feel God has been saying to me and whispering to me for literally about probably three and a half weeks now. The challenge of surrender is not when it's easy. The challenge of surrender is when it's hard. And I've heard this over and over again. It's like God has been whispering it to me. Surrender when it's hard. Surrender when it's hard. Surrender when it's hard. Say it with me. Whenever you feel fear, surrender when it's hard. When you feel worry, surrender when it's hard. When you feel anxiety, surrender when it's hard. When you feel overwhelmed, challenged, tempted, wanting to give up or give in, surrender when it's hard. When you feel discouraged, think this thought in your mind surrender when it's hard. When you feel like just 
whatever it is that you're doing is failing, it's not working, should you change, should you do something else, give up, quit, surrender when it's hard. And that surrender looks like stopping, sticking it all up, offering it all to God and saying, I surrender, God, I surrender. This is what I would call the challenge of surrender. The challenge of surrender. Yes, there's challenges when things are really good because sometimes we feel like we've got this and we can you know, keep doing this and we're like, God, we don't need God when things are easy and the favor's there and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, <clears throat> we really need a deep, deep revelation of what surrender looks like when it's hard, when we don't understand, when we feel confused, when we feel doubt, unbelief, when we feel all these things surrounding us, like chatter, the news is negative, everything's negative out there, things are being torn apart, the world's being torn apart, surrender when it's hard. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, surrender your anxiety, surrender your anxiety, be still and realize that I am God. I am God above all nations and I am exalted through the whole earth. Most of us have heard it read like this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That word for know is to know God, know, perceive and understand who God is. And that comes from stillness, which is surrender. Being still is a position and posture of surrender. To surrender, like in the TPT, the, the, the TPT, the Passion Translation I just read, surrender your anxiety. Surrender the thing that stands in the way of your stillness. Anxiety stands in the way of your stillness. And if something's standing in the way of your stillness, it's robbing you of knowing God for who he really is. Anxiety will always rob our rest and stillness and ultimately rob our ability to know God the way that he's created us to know him. We're created to know God deeply. Now, <clears throat> write this down if you can. The chasm between or the space between surrendering when it's hard and our breakthrough is very small. I'll read it again. The space between surrendering when it's hard and our breakthrough. Now, I'm talking about tangible breakthrough, okay? tangible breakthrough because surrendering when it's hard is a part of our intangible breakthrough. To be at a place of surrender on the inside, it means that we're moving closer to the breakthrough on the outside, okay? So the space between surrendering when it's hard and our breakthrough is very small. Let me explain this. Like I said, the key to our tangible breakthrough is the intangible surrendering in life when it's hard. So if, you've, if you're at a place right now, it's hard, you're struggling, things are not moving the way that you want them to, but you're in a place of surrendering. And I'm gonna define what this looks like practically in a few moments. If you're in a place of surrendering, know this, that the space between this point of surrender and your tangible breakthrough is closer than you think. It's a lot closer than you think because in this process, God is developing you into the person he wants you and needs you to be to be able to handle the tangible breakthrough that he's called you to live in and live from, okay? Now, let's just define a little bit. I'm almost into my points, okay? I'm just, I'm laying some groundwork here. Let's actually define what surrender is in the context to which I'm addressing, okay? So like, what does practically surrender? Like, we talked about, you know, lift, like we, the illustration is like lifting our hands, like stick it all up, right? That's the practical. It's basically being completely vulnerable to God. 
completely open and, and in a sense, broken before God. Like, do what you want with me, God. Like, it's like the, the police, like, stick them up, stick them up. And it's like, you, at that point, you, you're vulnerable to them. You have no choice. They're going to put you in the cuffs. They're going to put you in the back of the car, bring you to prison, whatever the case may be. Well, with God, it's like, God, I offer everything to you. Do whatever it is that you want. Some would say surrender is like, you've heard the phrase, like, just give it to God. When you give it to God, I've heard this over and over and over and over again. Give it to God. Like when you give it to God, give the relationship to God, give the, the vision to God, give the, the church to God, give the, you know, career, give the whatever it is to God, you know, give it to God, offer it to God. It's like almost this intangible thing we do, like in our speech, we give it to you, God. Like what does it actually mean to give something in our heart to God? Like what does it actually mean? Give the pain. You're struggling right now. There's pain in your life. You're, you're, you're being attacked. There's opposition. What does it mean to give that to God? Like, how do we practically do that? I will tell you, and I believe this to be absolutely true. I was sitting by the fire one night with my wife and I was pondering this thought because sometimes we say in churches, we say things that are kind of like cliche phrases, but there's very little context to what it actually, what we're actually meaning or or hoping people will grab a hold of when we say these things. And one of these things is like, just give it to God. I've heard it so much. And I was sitting with my wife and just pondering this thought. This is what I do sometimes. I'll, I'll like meditate on phrases and thoughts in my mind. And then I'll, as I come to, I feel like the Holy Spirit will actually bring wisdom. He'll breathe wisdom onto that phrase in my spirit. And then I'll, I'll, I'll have this ability to communicate my thought around it. So I was sitting there, I was thinking about this thought, what does it mean to give it to God when you're going through something, when it's hard, when it's challenging, whatever the case may be for you. And I felt like God said to me, giving it to God or surrendering it to God, that's the same thing, okay, is being able to freely worship, praise, and pray in faith when you are in the midst of pain or you are in the midst of whatever it is that you're giving to God. Because most of the things that we want to give to God, like, have some sort of pain attachment to them. Like, you know, I, I, I want this dream job. I've applied 10 times. It hasn't worked out. And so that causes some sort of pain in my life. So I give it to God. I want this relationship or I want to get married. I haven't found my spouse. And so I give it to God. It causes some sort of, like, pain. Like, disappointment feels like pain at times. I feel like I'm struggling in the same rut. All these prophetic words haven't happened yet in my life 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and, and that it's dis disappointing, it's discouraging, and what I'm doing right now is great, but it isn't the fullness of what I know I'm called to do, and so it causes like a pain point for me. Every time I get up in the morning, I'm reminded of where I'm not. It's a pain point for me, and so give it to God. What does that mean to give it to God? I'll tell you what it means. To be able to stand up in the midst of all that, freely worship, freely praise Freely pray in faith when you are in the middle of it. Because when you praise, when you worship, when you honor God, when you pray in a time when you don't want to, it is a statement in the spirit that you are in surrender and in humility to God's mighty power. Like we read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humble yourself under the mighty power of God and in due time he will lift you up where in honor in honor in the thing 
in the thing that I believe God has called you to do, called you to be. It's the promotion of the kingdom. It's the thing that you feel you you were destined for, the thing that you feel is your rightfully your inheritance. It may take 30 years, it may take 10, it may take five, it may take two. I don't know what the process is for you, but I believe this with all my heart, that if there's things in your life right now that you're struggling to give up and surrender, start every day, choose every day to get up, to pray. Choose every day to get up, to get into his word. Choose every day to praise, to worship, to not, it's not pretending like the thing's not there. It's simply saying that in the midst of the thing, I have such a revelation of the goodness of God that I'm going to glorify God in the midst of the thing, therefore bringing me above the thing so I can see it from an aerial view and see that it's not as big of a thing as I think it is. Because when we get God's perspective and we get out of ourselves a little bit, the big thing in our life that seems like it's just not working, all of a sudden looks very small. It's like when you go up, when you get up, if you stand on top of the house, on your house, everything that's below the house feels a lot smaller. But when you're down on the ground with the thing that you're seeing from top of the house, when you're on the ground, it's a lot bigger. Well, it's the same perspective when we get in God's perspective, praise, worship, prayer, in faith, we see things from his perspective, and all of a sudden now we have the encouragement we need to continue on. So, I mean, that could be a whole message in and of itself. But today, I want to give you three components of our spiritual journey that we want to surrender. Three components of our spiritual journey that I believe we are called to surrender when it's hard. And I kind of just highlighted one of them uh, for you. But number one is our worship, okay? Our worship. Now, I'm not talking about like music here. Music and, and worship is like one avenue of expression of worship, okay? We know scripturally speaking, there are many our whole life is to be offered as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Our whole life is to be is to be a living sacrifice, and that's a spiritual act of worship, okay? But our focus, affection, what's first is what we worship. Our perspectives, our gratitude, our heart response to God, these are all acts of worship. But ultimately, the thing we think about the most is the thing that we worship the most, the thing that's on our mind the most is the thing that we worship the most. Romans 12, verse 1, beloved friends, what should we be? What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Because worship is a response to God, okay? Worship is always a response to God, God's goodness, who he is, what his what he's like, okay? To surrender yourselves to God, this is verse 1, chapter 12, verse uh, Romans, to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. When we surrender ourselves to God, okay, as his living sacrifices, the New Living Translation would say it, offer your bodies, offer everything that is you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your spiritual act of worship. The Passion Translation is kind of helps us see it a little bit different. I love how he positions it to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. This is the genuine or becomes the genuine expression of our worship. Think about this for a second, okay? Talking about surrendering our worship. Jesus in Matthew chapter four, verse eight. Let me take a little coffee break. What was the third and final temptation of Jesus? 
The temptation of Jesus was to give up his worship. The temptation, the third and final temptation of Jesus was to give up his worship, okay? Let me read it for you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. You know, there were three temptations. Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, hasn't eaten. He's getting very weary near the end. It was near the end, okay? It wasn't in the beginning he was tempted by the devil. It wasn't in the first two days. It was at the very end of his fast because he was fasting, wasn't eating. The very, very end of his fast when he was the weakest, that's when the enemy came against him. And that's where the enemy will always come against you when you're at your weakest. You're isolated. You're struggling. You're disappointed. You're discouraged. You're troubled. You're physically tired. When you're at your weakest is when the enemy attacks the hardest, okay? Obviously, the enemy's like, not gonna attack you when you're at your strongest. He's like wasting energy. He's gonna go at you when you're at your weakest. Again, the devil took him. And this is obviously another thing too. This is why it's so key that we take communion consistently, to do this in remembrance of me. Because when Jesus is always at the forefront of your focus, guess what? You're strong and in a place where the enemy, it's kind of like a repelling, it's a repelling fragrance to the enemy. But when you're at your weakest, that's when the enemy comes at you the hardest. Say now, verse eight, chapter four. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, verse nine. And this I will give you, he said, if you bow down, so he's offering them the kingdoms of this world and their splendor, okay? I will give all this to you, the devil says to Jesus, okay? If you will bow down and what? Worship me. If you will give me your worship, if you will change the direction of your affection to from the Father to me, to the abandoned angel, to the, the Lucifer, the angel that was sent down from the garden of God, you know, and, and, and destined for, for the lake of fire, destined for hell. If you will change your focus, change your affection towards me, I'll give it all to you. Verse 10, Jesus said to him this, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, okay? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. It's funny because it was like in that last moment, that was the last attack, that was the last straw. The devil knew that if he could not get his worship, he would never have him. He would never get him. If the devil can't get your worship, he has lost. That's why it's so key to give God or to give God every day our worship in the midst of the stuff that's going on in our life, in the midst of the anxieties, to surrender, to stick it all up, but to give him our worship, to give him our focus, our affection. Yes, I think music is a huge part of that. You know, I think it's a huge part of that, of realigning our focus and our perspective when we're in praise, when we're in worship, you know, when we're in, when we're praying in faith, all these different things are a huge part of our perspective, but it's ultimately, it's everything, you guys. Our worship, we worship God with every part of our lives. Think about this for a second. What about people? What do, what do they do? Think about this for a second. Majority of people that leave the church, the majority of people that leave the church or leave a job, okay, not even the church, let's, let's not even use that as an example, okay? Well, it can be the church, it can be your job, your dream job, it can be family, it can be so many things that you've committed to. At one point, all of them, okay, I'm talking about believers right now, at one point, okay? 
specifically talking about believers right now. At one point, they would have said, you know, God called me to be with this individual. At one point, they said, God called me to be in this community. At one point, they would have said, God called me to be in this career, okay? But often what tends to happen is the moment the enemy can get our eyes off of worshiping the one and serving the one and onto everything else, let's not even call it the devil for a second, okay? Just on people. And all of a sudden, our worship goes to people. We begin to look at people instead of God. And then people begin to disappoint us. People begin to discourage us. People begin to come at us. People begin to be the problem with my humility and obedience to what God first has said. We end up in those moments, people end up in those moments abandoning the ship prematurely. A lot of people that have left the church would say, They don't believe in God anymore because of what the church has done. And rightly so. There's been pain. There's been hurt. There's been, and just as there's been in business and every other sect of society. But often you can trace back that in the end, it wasn't necessarily the people that were the problem. Yes, they were a part of the problem. It was that the people that left and rejected the very thing got their eyes off of the one who called them, got their eyes off of God who positioned them. Because even in the midst of people problems and bad things happening, disappointments, letdowns, rejection, you can face that and you can handle it if your eyes are continually on the one who's called you. You can move through anything, but you can't move through anything when your eyes get off of the one who's called you and onto the people and onto the problems and onto all the things that are here, here horizontal. If we keep our eyes vertical, we'll always win. As soon as we change from vertical to horizontal, we will always lose And often what we lose is worse than what we think we lose. What we lose often is our perspective that God is still a good God. People got in the way. We begin to worship people and not God. This is why it's so important that God has your worship. God has your worship. When it's hard, we worship. When it's healthy, we worship. When we worry, we worship. I remember way back um, in the beginning of my journey, and I was on this these little mini tours as a drummer with a worship leader in the South, in the U.S., and uh, we were going from camp to camp playing, and powerful things were happening at every place we went to. And in that season, as a drummer, God was teaching me about the power of worship for healing, the power of worship for deliverance, the power of worship to change an atmosphere. I mean, and coming from the metal, punk rock, rock, you know, and a little bit of funk scene that I was in prior to knowing Jesus, I had been able to develop a confidence in my playing in such a way that when I would worship, like it would be wild, not just I, for me in general, it would be wild, but people would comment on it. And I wouldn't even know, like I, I, it was almost weird because it was just normal for me. It was like, I just felt so comfortable behind the kit when it came to worship. And I felt like I could feel like when I would hit the the drum and hit certain elements and, and, you know, play certain parts of the song, it was like I could feel like the Spirit of God releasing His power through it often. And there was one time, I remember, where, like, the Holy Spirit came over me. 
And I got lost. It was like I was in a trance. You know, Peter talks about in Acts chapter 10, verse 10, falling into a trance on the rooftop. A trance is a, is a, is a dreamlike state, but you're actually awake. And I would like go into these almost trances sometimes playing. And it happened several times after this. But this is one of the first times that I can remember it happening. And it was like I was lost in God. It was like I was like John said in the book of Revelation, like I was in the spirit. I was like lost in God. I was in a trance, having visions, having encounters with God as I was playing. I don't even know what I was playing. But I could feel something was breaking through in the atmosphere. And I remember like people in that meeting, it was Buck wild, you guys. Like people were being healed, delivered all over the place in the worship. Nobody was praying. Nobody was like declaring. They were just receiving the atmosphere of the miraculous based upon how we were worshiping in the room. God had our worship, had our focus, had our affection. And people came up to me after at the end were telling me, like, man, like several people, when you hit that snare drum, like I felt something leave my body. When you hit that cymbal, when you hit that tom drum, I was healed in my body of this condition, that condition. And it marked me. It marked my life. It showed me like the power of when we let God take it all and we stick it all up and we surrender. And that that kind of, uh, you know, that was a sort of a segue to many other experiences after the fact that I would love to share one day that really, uh, really impacted my life when it came to the music part of my life, which is kind of um, depressingly feels like it's long gone. Who knows? Maybe it's not. But anyways, Proverbs 16, verse 6, you can avoid evil. I love this. Through surrendered worship and the fear of God for the power of his faithful love remains, removes sin's guilt and the grip and its grip over you. You can avoid evil through surrendered worship. Like, think about all the things that are coming against you right now. Just stop and give it to God through humility, through praise, through prayer, through worship, focusing on the one who's got you. The moment you do that, it's like you have an ability to avoid. You have an ability to change directions. First Peter 5, 6, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So number one, we have our worship. Number two, we have our mouth. Write that down, our mouth. Three components we're talking about, about giving to God, surrendering to God, our mouth. Let's go back to the second moment or second garden moment in scripture in Gethsemane, which means oil press, by the way, the place where there was a pressing, the place where through the pressing, the precious oil came out. You don't get wine out of grapes without crushing them. So here he is, Jesus, before he goes to the cross in a place called the oil press in the garden of Gethsemane. He's being pressed on all sides under the greatest pressure of his life. He was in anguish and pain and he prayed the most powerful prayer of surrender. This was when he was his weakest. Matthew 26, verse 37. Take a little coffee break here. I feel like my mind is firing on all cylinders right now. Matthew 26, verse 37. Maybe it's the coffee. Anyways, however, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into agony. Now, he's in the garden, okay? He's asking his disciples to pray with him, watch with him. They're not doing it. They're falling asleep. He's getting annoyed. He's going through the hardest time of his life, coming to a place of full surrender where he knows that he's going to do this thing, go to the cross for the joy set before him. He's going to endure the cross. We are the joy. He's thinking about you in the garden. That's why he pushed through to endure through this pain, make the decision to go all the way to the cross. 
says this. He said in verse 38, and he says to his disciples, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I am dying. Okay, so here he is in pain. Talked about what it means to give something to God when you're in pain. So what does he do? In the midst of his pain, what does he do in the midst of his pain? He feels like he's dying. What does he do? Does he just wallow in that space of feeling like he's dying in the midst of pain? Or does he stand up, change his perspective, and do do what we've been talking about doing the whole entire time leading up to this? It says this, stay here and keep watch with me, verse 39. Then he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed. Listen to what he prays. My father powerful prayer. My father, if there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Excuse me. Yet what I want is not important. And this is the the focus that I want to hit on is that he, he, he says to God in honesty, like if it's possible, take it from me. Yet ultimately what I want is not important for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. And at the moment, that was the moment of surrender. At the moment of surrender, guess what happened? An angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. I love this. An angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. So powerful. Kind of sounds like what happened if you go back to uh, Matthew 4, verse 11, in the third temptation, after he'd said, no, you're not going to have my worship, what happened? The moment, the moment, he, re- he, he redirected his focus, surrendered, okay? And uh, it says the devil left in verse 11 and angels came and attended him. They ministered to him. They strengthened him. And I'm gonna tell you why in a second. We see it again now, Matthew 26, the same exact scenario. The moment he surrenders, I only desire, verse in verse uh, 39 of chapter 26, I only desire is to fulfill your plan for me. Then it says only then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Why? Because surrender, write this down, gives strength an invitation. You want strength in your life? The moment you surrender, the moment you stop, drop, stick it all up, surrendering when it's hard, the moment you surrender, you send out, not an SOS, well, kind of, but more of like a strengthen my soul, an SMS, <laughs> strengthen my soul. I just made that up on the, on the spot. It's like an SMS, it's like a text message. You listen to an SOS, you send out an SMS, strengthen my soul. Because surrender gives strength an invitation. This was key for Jesus to move ahead, to move forward into the next phase of his crucifixion. So if it was for him, how much more our own life? The son of God, you guys, gave us keys here, gave us the tools. Surrender when it's hard and it gives strength an invitation. You want strength? Surrender, surrender. But we're talking about his mouth. See, and I'm t- I, the reason why I highlighted this part for this point of surrendering our mouth is because in this moment, he's communicating to God. There's a lot of different ways we surrender to God with our mouth. Obviously, I think prayer is one of the key things, like what we pray, what we decree, what we declare, how we speak about God, how we speak to God, how we speak about ourselves, to our, like, it's all a part of this, okay? It's all a part of this, but prayer, communication with God is a huge part of that. And in this moment, Jesus prayed one of the most powerful prayers, I only desire to do your will, and as a result, strength was given an invitation. But we also see, and I also want to highlight another side of it, which is Ephesians 4, chapter 29, or chapter 4, verse 29, says this, let no corrupting talk 
come out of your mouths. Such a good word, good word. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupt, no corrupt, no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Surrender your mouth. But only what is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That should be our heart's desire. I think there's so much of this right now out in the world around us from news outlets to uh, social media to videos, YouTube. I mean, just so much out there and so much out there, even believers bashing other believers, like in, trading insult. I've, I've seen it. I've seen so much that sometimes it makes my stomach sick where I, I just can't believe that people spend their time wasting their time doing this. The very people that they hate the most, they spend their time watchdogging the most. It's like, is this what you do with your time? It's crazy to me. And they're not surrendering their mouth because they're just coming at these people in a very, very not nice way. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. How about this, James 1, verse 26. James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks... He is religious and does not bridle his tongue. And this is talking about good religious, okay? If anyone thinks he is religious, like has real faith, the faith that we're talking about, James is one of the most practical books in the Bible, by the way, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. If you don't control your mouth, if you don't surrender your mouth, you don't bridle your tongue, and you deceive your heart, your faith, basically, is worthless. That's a that's a hard one to swallow. How about Psalms 141, verse 3? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's a prayer for us. Set a guard, God. Not just guard my heart. You know, David said, or sorry, Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter, I think it's 24. Uh, it, and, you know, guard your heart above all things, for out of it flows the issues of life. And here we have the psalmist saying, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need a guard over our heart and also a guard over our mouth. And, you know, this is a challenge sometimes for me for two reasons, because I struggle sometimes with saying what I think. And I've learned over the years, because I used to get in battles with the best of them at times. Um, and I've had to learn over the years, and I haven't always been perfect at this, but there are certain battles that need to be I don't even call the battles, certain discussions that need to be had, and then certain things that are more like unnecessary battles that will never have an outcome, a good outcome, positive outcome. And we don't want to waste our time with those things. But sometimes it's been a struggle for me because I'll say what I think. It gets me in trouble often with my marriage at times. I'll say what I think too quick, and I don't always bridle my tongue and it can be damaging at times, you know, and I think all of us at some level may struggle at times or maybe have struggled in the past with, with stuff like this where we say things that we regret or even say things a certain way and the way we say it we regret, which in a lot of ways is just as bad. But it's also been a struggle for me because there was a time in my life where I would have said I will never speak publicly. And uh, honestly, it was like I, I, I couldn't even imagine, like in the beginning of my journey, and I would say the first three months of my journey, what it was like, what it would be like to give God my mouth. As you've heard my testimony since the age of five, 
I had a severe stutter. Up until my baptism when I was 19 and God loosed my tongue, I had a severe stutter. People around me would have said, I would have never thought, Sean, that you would be doing what you're doing today based upon your past, based upon what you were like when you were a kid, based upon all these things, I would have never have thought, would have thought that you would be doing what you're doing today as a communicator, someone who speaks and has gone around the world. I would have never thought you would have done this. Well, neither would I have thought that I would have done or am, would do what I am doing today. And so to think to surrender my mouth to God when I had a stutter, but even though I got healed, and even though it all changed at 19, I remember, I would say probably the first easily five to six years after I was healed, when I would travel and speak, I would still struggle to offer God my mouth in the sense of I would be so scared that what I would say would not be good enough. I would be so scared that what I would get up on the platform and like will come out of my mouth wouldn't be powerful. The Holy Spirit like, you know, wouldn't use it or it, it would kind of fall on deaf ears or, um, you know, it wouldn't be the right thing or I'd make mistakes or, I mean, I wouldn't, I wasn't in exact, I still carried the residue of the fear of not that I'm going to stutter, but that what I'm going to say, it will be relevant and have no impact. Cause I knew, I, I knew that without God's grace, like, I don't have it. Without God's gift, without God's power in my life, I don't have what I need in my own self and my own strength. And so in the beginning, the first five years of my ministry journey, I mean, man, like I would go through inner turmoil getting up onto a stage. Sometimes like after 9, 12, 14, 18 hours sometimes wrestling through what I was going to say and then feeling like, I don't know if I feel it, like, God, why aren't you making it easier for me? And it was in that season where I felt like God taught me how to dig. God taught me how to, like, grind. God taught me how to persevere. God taught me how to lean in and trust in him and and almost figure out what now, what in this season, surrendering my mouth to him would look like. I remember one time I was in Minnesota speaking at a conference and it was, I would say, in the kind of more beginning of my ministry journey. And I was in my early, early 20s. And um, I remember, like, at the pressure at the time. Because I was kind of, at that some po- at one point, I was kind of known as this, like, wild, prophetic, you know, dreadlock, itinerant guy. And so there was all kinds of pressure when I'd go into a meeting to, like, you know... <laughs> pray for the miraculous and 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 prophesy and because all these things were happening in my life. And so I would feel that pressure. I'm not saying it's right pressure to feel, but I'm just being honest. I would feel the pressure. There'd be a, an expectation genuinely of faith of the people. Like, you know, when, when we receive this, this man into our, our, into the, into the church, into our house, into our conference, like amazing things are going to happen. And I, I love the fact that people had faith in God in me, but I didn't have faith in me. I had faith in God, but I didn't have faith in me. And sometimes I would forget in these moments that, you know, like I didn't have to perform or I didn't have to, you know, uh, make something happen that I would forget sometimes like, God, like it's, it's all you. And because I would go to this place sometimes with God, I would struggle and feel like, Nothing's going to happen. God, you're not going to show up. Like, what, what if I get up there and, like, I don't say anything good and nothing happens and I would freak out. I remember I was in this conference. Sorry, I'm kind of rabbit trailing here, but I haven't processed this, actually, 
in quite a long time. I haven't shared this really, I don't think ever, but uh, I remember one time I was, I, yeah, when I was in Minnesota, I was like in inner turmoil trying to figure out what God wanted me to say, wasn't feeling it hours and hours. I think it was like two days before I'd been like praying and like processing, taking notes and just wasn't, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. And this, I'm not talking about, by the way, like moving in the gifts, okay? This is a separate thing. This is a whole separate uh, journey of my own life. But talking about just simply like what I was going to share as far as content. And um, I remember like getting to the church, feeling like God wasn't listening to me, feeling like it was hard, feeling like uh, this is going to suck tonight. I have no confidence in what I'm going to say. Major anxiety and uh, just fear, fear of man, straight up, you know? And I had to learn through the, grow, grow through this, but... I remember feeling like, okay, at least I had something and what I had prepared, I'm going to bring. And I was, and then I, I remember when they invited me on stage, I walked up onto the platform. And as I walked up onto the platform, God said, everything that you prepared, throw it away, open up your mouth and I'm going to fill it. And it freaked me out. But I remember that I got up on the platform and I don't even know what I shared. I don't know what I did. It was one of the most powerful meetings. Amazing things happened. God moved. People were healed. People were set free. Like whatever the message was, I don't even care. God moved. God did some amazing things in that meeting. And it taught me what it looked like now in this new season. Not just to surrender my mouth because, you know, I at one point I had a stutter, but to surrender my mouth and trust that sometimes in moments, no matter what I do to prepare, God has another plan and I can let him take my mouth and use it how he wants it to be used. Changed the game for me and really set the tone for the course of the next, up until this day, several years of, of ministry. And so I'm so thankful for that. That was number two. That was a lengthy one. Number three, we're almost done. I promise our life. We have our worship, surrender our worship, surrender our mouth, surrender our life. Number three, Proverbs 19, verse 23. When you live a life of abandoned love, surrendered before the awe of God, here's what you'll experience. I love this. Three things. Abundant life, continual protection, protection, and complete satisfaction. You know why? This could sound to a lot of people like, so it's all about what you do. It's all about your behavior. No, no. A surrendered life is simply a heart posture that says yes to all the promises of God, that says I am in agreement with what God has promised me. To say yes to God, surrender to God, to live a life of abandoned love, you will experience abundant life, continual protection, and complete satisfaction. That's what I want. That's what happened to me when I was 19 in my car on the 416 on the highway. 417, sorry. Everything changed. In my car, God visited me, said to me these words, make a choice. I was in a very rough place in my life. And in that moment, everything changed. It was like uh, my whole inner world was, was turned upside down and it affected everything in my life moving on and moving forward. It says in this Proverbs 22 verse 4, laying your life down in tender surrender before the Lord will bring life, prosperity, and honor as your reward. That's what I've experienced in this life with God since I surrendered my life in as a as a 18 year old turning 19 in the, my car in my 1991 Topaz gold Topaz on the 417, and uh, it, I haven't looked back since. And this is the most important thing that we can do ultimately in surrender is surrendering our entire 
life. Jesus said in comfort to his disciples in John 14, verse 1, don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. This is just five verses before in verse 6 where he says, I am the way, truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 16 verse 1 says, I have told you, when he warns his disciples, I have told you this so that you will not, you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. And right before this, he's talking about how the world is going to hate you. The world's going to come against you. In fact, they're even going to come after you physically, maybe even try to kill you and think that they're doing a service to God. They're going to insult you. They're not going to like you. And he's warning the disciples about all this. And in the end, he says in verse 1, tying it up after chapter 15, I have told you all these things so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. In other words, like when they're coming at you, don't think that, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. No, think that you're doing something right. When you surrender your life to me, this stuff is gonna happen. And when this stuff happens, you'll be tempted to think that maybe it's a bad thing that you surrendered your life to me. No, I'm saying all this to you so that you would not surrender to confusion or doubt. So humble yourselves, Peter said. Under the mighty power of God, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. When you surrender when it's hard, you give strength an invitation. And when strength is given an invitation, get ready because you're about to move into a whole new level, I believe, of this, of breakthrough, tangible breakthrough. But first, God has to get here. He has to get on the inside in Jesus' name. I want you to, wherever you are right now, stand up. Um, you can sit down if you want to, lay down, just put your hands up wherever you are right now, just as an act of surrender right now. This is like an act of surrender. It's like Jesus is saying right now, in your room, stick them up. Stick it all up. Stick them up right Stick them up right now. Be vulnerable towards me. This is a position of vulnerability. Putting your hands up, putting your eyes up, putting everything, offering it to God who is higher, who is bigger, who is better, whose ways are beyond your ways, whose thoughts are beyond your ways. When you offer it all to God, you position yourself for the greatest strength of your life. And remember, when you're in a place of surrender, that space between surrender and breakthrough is really small. In other words, you're tangible breakthrough is just around the corner. It's closer than you think. And so wherever you are right now, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, at the living room table, dining room table, wherever you are right now, in your car, I want you just to put your hands up, maybe not in your car, but if you're wherever else, if you're in, in a house somewhere, you're not driving, put your hands up. And I want to pray for you. God, I pray that in this season, you would bring everybody into a new dimension of breaking through themselves so they can break through the things that are around them, stopping them from advancing in Jesus' name. God, I pray that their surrender would send out an SMS, a strengthen my soul invitation in this season. That God, you would do only what you can do in this season through our humility. I pray that you'd lift us up in this next season. God, promote, God, bring promotion in areas of of our lives where there's been great disappointment and great demotion in Jesus' name. God, I pray for miracles to break out. God, I pray for miracles and healings to break out in people's bodies in this season. Even right now, God, I pray for an overwhelming strength, God, to our immune systems, God, to areas of our life that need healing, God, in our organs, God, where there's been failure in our organs, God. Things aren't functioning properly. I pray that you'd bring sleep, God, to those who are struggling with sleep issues right now in Jesus' name. God, insomnia, sleep apnea, God, I pray that you'd heal the sleeping, you'd heal 
this, this, uh, this part of our lives that's rest-focused, you'd heal, bring healing in Jesus' name. God, touch our backs, touch the nervous system. God, I pray that you touch areas of our body that's not moving and mobile like it used to. God, I pray that you touch the bones right now. God, remove arthritis in Jesus' name. God, I just pray for an overwhelming sense of healing right now. But God, ultimately, I just pray that you touch deeply our emotions right now. Give us a faith to believe. Give us the faith to move forward. Give us the faith to lean in and say, God, in this season, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna give you my worship. I'm gonna give you all of my life. I'm gonna give you my mouth. I'm gonna give it all to you because I want to move forward into the things that you promised for me in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would live in this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humbling ourselves under the mighty power of God so that in due time he will lift us up in honor in Jesus' name. God, I pray for every one of those watching right now that this would be the best season personally that they've ever had because they begin to work through some of the things that are stopping them from moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, Kingdom Culture. See you next week. Wow, what an amazing part two yes. of this Breaking yes. Through You series. I'm yeah. loving this series. Speaking about surrender and speaking mm -hmm. about surrendering your life, point three from Pastor Sean. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're watching, maybe you landed on this channel and you don't have a life of relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with mm -hmm. Jesus. He yeah. wants to connect with you. He wants to bring you new life. He wants you to enjoy the life that he has to the full. So yeah. point number three was surrendering our hearts, our life to Jesus. So I wanna good. encourage you to, if you are in that place, the Bible said that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can give your life to Jesus today. So I wanna encourage you to, if, you will, if that's you, to repeat this prayer after me saying, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. I surrender my worship, I surrender my mouth, I surrender my entire life to you. I ask forgiveness for my sins, and I want to come into a new life with you in this day and every day moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that's awesome. If you said yes, that was the best yes you've ever said yes. in your life. And there is many more amazing yeses where God's gonna open up these amazing doors for mm -hmm. you as you journey life with Him. It's the best decision. And we wanna hear from you. If you did, again, contact us. We'd love to connect with you. If you did say yes today, just again, email the uh, email down here. On the screen. On the, on the screen, yeah. Absolutely, guys. That's it for today. That's it. Have an amazing week. Have Don't a good forget week, to guys. subscribe. Like. We love you. We Bye. love you. Bye.